Amen. We are on. Uh, the, we're in the middle of our series called Disciple. We've been talking about what is the stuff of a disciple. We are called to be disciples. There isn't like the people that don't, you know, when you ask somebody, are you a Christian? There, a lot of people will say yes. Then if you ask them, are you a disciple? Then they don't know what to say. They kind of hesitate. Well, there is no difference between a Christian and a disciple of Christ. Those are the same thing. There is no distinction. It's not like you've got the Christians who are the people who sort of put up with it, but don't take it very seriously. And then you've got the disciples who, you know, they actually try. That's a false distinction. There's the people who follow Christ and there's the people who don't. The people who follow Christ are the Christians, they're the disciples, and the people who don't are not. And that's the deal there. So we're trying to figure out, okay, what does it mean to be a disciple in 2014? What does it mean to be a disciple nowadays? It doesn't mean you're going to wear robes and hold a staff and whatever and that sort of deal. You know, it's not olden days stuff. It's today. And so we talked about different categories and try to figure out what's just other stuff and what's the stuff, the ways of God. So we talked about being a disciple is that's somebody who follows the ways of God, who seeks out and lives out the ways of God. Then you've got church culture, which doesn't have to be the same as that. And that's just the way that we do things that's, you know, ruled top by men, all that stuff. We've got specific things like, uh, today, church at 1030. Is that like the God-ordained time to have church? That's fine. You know, you can have church at 1030. You can have church at 9. You could have church at 11 p.m. Uh, you can have church on Wednesday. I mean, it, it, that doesn't matter a whole lot. That's just what we've decided. 10.30 seems like a good time for the second service. But that's just a church culture thing. That's not a ways of God. So if somebody else has church at 11, we don't go, oh, well, I see you think, you know. It, it's just church culture. It's just that stuff. It's not the ways of God. It's just the ways of church culture. And then we, we talked about itching ears, how there are people, they just want to hear what they want to hear. Um, is the truth of God up to you? Do you get to pick? We don't get to pick. I don't know who started that whole deal of, well, you know, I like to believe. Well, who cares what you like to believe? Is it real? Is it true? Uh, you know, apply these same concepts to the IRS. You know, what if I said, I like to believe that I should receive rather than give? I know you say I should give this specific amount, but I think I should receive twice that. And you just tell that to them. Well, in I believe I should get ten thousand from the from the IRS. Is that going to work? No, they're gonna be like, I don't care what you believe, you owe this much. You have to pay it. It's not up to us. The things of God are not up to us. We're just people. We don't get to pick. We have to discover. So the itching ears thing which is pretty common, is not good because we don't want to be picking, we want to be discovering. And then we talked about ferocious wolves. We talked about lambs in sheep, or sheep, lambs in sheep's clothing. That's interesting. That would be the immature believer. But I'm talking about uh, wolves in sheep's clothing, which are the bad guys. You know, there are people who claim to be followers of Christ who are not following the ways of light, but following the ways of darkness. And there are some people who accidentally do damage in the body of Christ. And uh, those are ferocious wolves. We don't want to be like that. So we're trying to figure all this stuff out. 
And uh, we talked about the last couple of weeks, our relationship with our Heavenly Father, what that should be for the disciple. We talked about the church and church culture being a surrogate father so that you might have a relationship with church, but you don't have a relationship with God. Well, that's no good. We don't want that. You know, all the church people like me. Yeah, but do you know the Lord? Having a relationship with church, is it's, it's a bad substitute for a relationship with the living God. Then we talked about uh, the inverted relationship with God, the having God serve me rather than me serving the Lord. Uh, that's a bad deal. That inverted relationship is no good. And last week we talked about motivations for serving God, um, for being a disciple. We talked about love and we talked about fear and how those two work together. We are often motivated by loving God and loving things of God, but sometimes we're motivated by fear. Fear of hell, fear of displeasing God, fear of, of a variety of things. And then we talked about how perfect love drives out fear. And that is a wonderful Wonderful thing. And so we covered all that over the last few weeks. And this week, we are going to talk about the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. And we'll get into some new material this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank You today for Your Holy Scriptures. I thank You, Lord, for Your Spirit that is in us when we ask and when we seek You. Lord, You didn't leave us down here just to wander around and do the best we can, but You guide us by Your Word and You guide us by Your Spirit. Bless this time now, Lord. Help us to grab hold of what you've got for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. I wish it was easy to talk about the Holy Spirit in church. You know, there's, all, there's different people that have dealt with different things coming from different perspectives when you're talking about the Holy Spirit. And so it can be one of those things where, you know, one one person hears this when you say it, and one person hears that, and it can be a little tricky. Um, but I have to tell you this: as we go through what we're going to talk about today, if you're if you're nervous about the Holy Spirit, we're going to try to get past church culture and personal preference and darkness, and find out what is it. What is it? When we can connect with the Holy Spirit of God. What is that? And I tell you, it's a beautiful thing. It's a great, wonderful thing. And I don't want people to miss that. I want people to be able to receive that in its fullness. And so we're going to talk about that today. Are you ready to talk about the Holy Spirit? Oh, yeah. We got the Trinity, not the dynamic duo, right? We got the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, not just the Father and the Son, and then shh. Right? Last week we read in 1 John, we're going to read that again and get a little picture in here because the Holy Spirit has a very, very significant and important part in our walk with God. Here's what it says we read last week. No one has ever seen God but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. So it says here, no one has ever seen God. That doesn't mean you've never had an experience with God. But I mean, like you can make an appointment, you know, with the doctor and go see the doctor. 
we don't get that same opportunity with God. But we do get God living in us and His love made complete in us. Isn't that something? So we don't get to make an appointment with God and sit down across the table face to face, but we do get God in us. What is that? (laughs) What's going on here? God in us? This is quite a relationship. And it, it continues here, we know that we live in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. How can you know if you're actually connecting with the things of God, the ways of God, or if you're just being part of church? We know because of He has given us of His Spirit. I tell you, the Holy Spirit is not a concept, it's not a thought, an idea, but we can experience and know the Holy Spirit of God tangibly. We can experience the Holy Spirit. And that gives us assurance that we can know we live in Him, He in us. It's not just ideas, it's actually God. Because He has given us His Spirit. In fact, the Holy Spirit is often, a few times, uh, described as a seal that God has put on us, guaranteeing that we have an inheritance with God. Let's read 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. So are you standing firm on your own strength? I'm good enough. He makes us able to stand. Hallelujah for that. Now we need to, we need to try. We need to strive. We need to work to serve the Lord as best we can. But you're never going to earn it. He makes us stand with our imperfections, with our failures, with, with all the things we got wrong with us. His power is able to make us stand. He anointed us, set His seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. You want security. Security is in the Spirit of God. The seal, the guarantee, is knowing the Holy Spirit is here. Walking in the Spirit experiencing the Holy Spirit. Now the Bible is just full of examples of the Holy Spirit coming on people. You know, they're doing whatever they're doing and the Holy Spirit comes on them. And something happens. Have you experienced that? The Holy Spirit comes on you. You're like, whoa! You know, sometimes people, they're sitting in church and they're just crying. You ask them, what are you crying about? I don't know! Just crying! Well, I guess the Holy Spirit's touching you. Something's going on in the, in the spirit realm. You may not fully understand what's happening. Something's going on. The Holy Spirit came on them. And so we're going to look at a couple of Old Testament examples of the Holy Spirit coming on people. And we're going to get New Testament. So the first example that I found as far as the Holy Spirit coming on somebody is uh, Bezalel or Bezalel. I'm not quite sure how to say it. Exodus 31, uh, 1 through 5. There's other names I don't know how to say either. So we'll read them all. Exodus 31, starting in verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. So here's this guy, this Bezalel. 
And there's all these people in the nation of Israel. And God says to Moses, this guy, filled them with the Spirit of God. And so he's changed. He's impacted. Something happens to this Bezalel guy. What is it? It's filled with the Holy Spirit of God with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. So what, in this case, what's the effect of God reaching down and filling somebody with His Spirit? He becomes a great craftsman. Able to do woodworking. Able to do... uh uh, like gem work and all kinds of different things. Isn't that interesting? Is that, you know, kind of out there, super weird stuff? No. The Spirit of God made this guy an excellent craftsman. There you go. But the Holy Spirit came on him and there was a change. Let's look at Judges chapter 3. Verses 7 through 11. We got a guy named Othniel, I think is how you say it. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Good idea, bad idea? Oh, bad idea. What's the first thing they did wrong? They forgot. How often do we forget? It's not enough to avoid offending God. We must remember God. And then they offended God besides. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel so that He sold them into the hands of Cushan Rishatham, king of Aram Neherim, to whom the Israelites were subject for eight years. But when they cried out to the Lord, He raised up for them a deliverer, Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, who saved them. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. So here's Othniel. Israel's been in bondage for eight years. The Spirit of the Lord comes on Othniel, Caleb's brother, his little brother. And what happened? The Spirit of the Lord came upon him so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. The Lord gave Cushan Rashiam, king of Aram, to the hands of Othniel, who overpowered him. So he got the ability to conquer the enemy. He got the ability to wage war successfully. But was that it? Let's keep reading. So the land had peace for 40 years until Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. So not only did he free the Israelites from the bondage they were experiencing, but he established and maintained peace. That was the power he was given to set them free and establish and maintain peace. And they had peace until he died. And then it all fell apart again. This happens over and over in the Scriptures. The Holy Spirit comes on somebody, comes on a group, different things happen. But when you're looking in the Old Testament, you see individuals handpicked. This person, the Holy Spirit comes on them and this happens. Another person, another person. It was specific to individuals. It wasn't just like free reign. But then there's a promise in the book of Joel. We read this promise in Joel chapter 2. 
verses 28 and 29, Joel says, And afterward I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. So the promise now in Joel is it won't just be this person and that person and certain special people for special purposes. But it'll be for everyone. Sons and daughters, men and women. How gender inclusive was it back then? Culture was not. It's remarkable that it says men and women. Sons and daughters, men and women. This is very inclusive. In our culture, we just sort of take gender equality for granted. This was a big word. This was a big prophecy. That, that this would be for everybody. Even women. <laughs> was a, that's a big deal. It was a big deal. So this promise, this prophecy is given forth that the Spirit of God will not just be individually given or given to small groups of people, but will be available, accessible, poured out on everybody. And Jesus was the one to fulfill that prophecy. If we look in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, all four Gospels in the book of Acts, we see the same message in the early chapters. That Jesus is the one to baptize in the Holy Spirit. It's not just like a random, like, oh, well, we sort of get this from some Scripture way back. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. We're going to read from Mark. because Mark is quick and to the point. And he will tell us the whole story in just three verses. Starts with John the Baptist. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. So the message of John the Baptist. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Means this. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the promise in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. This is a central theme. And this happens after the ascension in Acts chapter 2. So, Jesus lives, He heals a lot of people, right? He does amazing miracles. But he doesn't baptize in the Spirit while he's alive in his earthly ministry. He gets crucified. He rises again on the third day. He hangs out with the disciples and he's saying different things. He even breathes on them and like he says, receive the Holy Spirit, but it's a different type thing. You know, like, uh, I've, I've mentioned this before, but the Holy Spirit, have you ever been rained on? You've had a certain experience with water. Have you ever fallen in the lake? You've had a different experience with water. It's, it's both experiences with water. 
But they're different. One is an immersion. It's a complete saturation. The other is, is an interaction. Unless you were out there about a half hour ago. That, I think that you could got, we could have got baptized out in the parking lot. It was coming down. But this is uh, fulfilled after Jesus rises from the dead. He hangs out with the disciples for a while. And then he floats off into the sky, which they call the ascension. He goes up to be with the Father. And then the Holy Spirit is released. And we see that happen in Acts chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit is released. There was about 120 believers still holding on uh, because everybody else thought, well, the, the, let's get while well, the getting's good because, you know, there's crucifixion and persecution and all that. So they all ran away. There's 120 left from the thousands that were following him before. And there may have been some hiding and that sort of deal, but the Holy Spirit comes on that group. And it's nine in the morning. They start speaking in foreign languages. They're stumbling around. Apparently people thought they were drunk. And uh, then Peter has the boldness to speak to the whole group. And he tells them the whole story. He's like, hey, you guys who rejected Jesus and had Him crucified, guess what? The, the God of heaven has made Him Lord and Christ. And you're the ones who crucified Him. And they're like, ah! You know, they get scared. And that's where we pick it up. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? That is where every preacher wants the congregation to get. What should we do? Rather than, rather than, oh yeah, I've heard better than that. I don't know if I believe that. These guys were where they needed to be. What shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So who is this promise for? He's saying it's for you. You guys that are here, this promise, the thing that you've seen these people receive, it's for you. And it's not just for you, but it's for the next generations. It's for the future. And it's not just for the people who are here and their descendants. It's for everybody everywhere else that's way far away. And in fact, it's just for everybody whom the Lord will call. It is Joel. All flesh, everybody. How many in here are part of that group? The group of everybody. That's us. This is, this is for us. Hallelujah for that. So that settles it then, right? We all receive the Holy Spirit and live happily, happily ever after. Problem solved. <laughs> oh, I, that would be great, wouldn't it? That would be great. Um, but it just doesn't tend to work out that way. What is it like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Isn't that difficult to explain to somebody who has not experienced that? What is it like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? For me... I had all the classic signs and symptoms, you know, 
spoke in tongues and whatever, all that stuff. I was not seeking the baptism in the Holy, uh, in the Holy Spirit, by the way. I was taken by force. I had no intention. I just thought, I thought it was just goofy, goofiness by goofy people. I mean, you want to fake a miracle? Just babble nonsensically and say it's God. Whoop-de-doo. You know, I mean, you don't even have to, you don't even need props. You know, you just, just be goofy and you can do it. That was my thinking at the time. That's reasonable, isn't it? <laughs> but anyway, I had in my heart a hate for the church. A hate specifically for Christian leaders, but for all Christians, I was equal opportunity. I just thought, you know, because when I got saved, I thought, God is real. And look what these people have done with Him. They've made Him a cartoon character. I have people I care about who won't believe in the goofy Jesus that you guys are presenting to the world. It's your fault. And so I was very angry. And that built over some years. And then the Holy Spirit came on me. Not just a sprinkling. I didn't mean to tell you, I was, I was dunked. And that hate broke. It just broke. And it felt like a bucket in my chest where the bottom just all of a sudden wasn't there anymore. And just cold water just went and was just gone. And a love from God hit me a compassion for the goofed up church, messed up Christians, people doing stuff wrong, instead of pointing out their faults and hating them, now I had a compassion and a love for those people. I'm like, you know what? You're doing okay. But let's take another step forward. Let's try to help rather than point the finger. And a heart change occurred for me. A touch from God. Hallelujah. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. I had a bad spirit in my heart. It was bitter. It was angry. It was blaming. That spirit was not compatible with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit pushed that out. And I got a different spirit. Hallelujah for that. That's a good thing. Now I don't have to walk in hate and bitterness and anger and blaming. I can be encouraging and helpful. That's way better. Way better. What hinders people from receiving the fullness of the Spirit? We're going to just kind of whip through a few things. If you are fully available to God, hallelujah, hallelujah, if you're not, why aren't you? What is it? Well, look at a few options. Maybe it's different for you, but here are some options. Why do people not receive the fullness of the Spirit? Number one, I think, is fear. People are afraid of things they don't understand, and we do not understand the Spirit of God. We got a certain amount of information, but we sure don't have a lot. And so we can be afraid of those things. Afraid of the 
intangibles of God. And I think what happens when we're afraid of those things, we're afraid of losing control, we're afraid of all that stuff that we don't understand, we retreat into religion and intellectualism. Have you seen that? Where People don't want to experience God, but they're perfectly good with talking about God. They don't really want to go to the Lord. But they're good learning and having conversations and that sort of thing. We've got to go. We have to open ourselves up to the living God. If you're afraid, don't be afraid. God is good. He's not going to give you something bad. Sometimes people are afraid, well, if I open myself up spiritually, the demons will get in there. Ask God for the Holy Spirit, and He'll get there first. Okay? Second reason I think some people don't open themselves up to the fullness of the Spirit is undisciplined disciples. Um, sometimes people, they talk about the, the, the freeness they have in the Holy Spirit, and you get some meetings where, man, I don't think that's God. You know what I mean? Like, you talk about, in, in Pentecostal circles, they describe it as wildfire. You know, there's the Spirit's fire. We all want to be on fire, you know. But then there's wildfire, you know, where it kind of, it's just going, but it's not going with God. It's going somewhere else. Something, something weird's going on. Now, we live up north. I'm letting you know, you have not seen. <laughs> I'm guessing, unless you've been somewhere else, you've probably not seen wildfire. You know, I mean, it gets wild. I used to go to church at a place. It was great. And this was of God stuff. I mean, during the song service, people laying on the floor. They're running around the outside of the building. I mean, it was just, it was just mayhem. It was great. I loved it. But I wasn't intimidated by it in any way. You know, I wasn't, I don't, you want to lay on the floor? Fine. What do I care? You want to run around the building? Fine. The guy had his knee healed, so he's running around outside of the building. Well, hallelujah. Why not? Well, if you, if your first experiences with the Holy Spirit are with just weirdness and wildfire, you are going to pull back. You're like, this is just goofy, weird stuff. These are just weird people doing stuff that's not from God. And you're just going to back up. And you're going to be like, well, these people that like to talk and, and have Bible studies and stuff, they're safe. And I'm learning about God. I'll just stay there. That stuff's difficult. Just because some people are undisciplined in their walk with God doesn't mean there isn't truth in the power of the Holy Spirit for you. Don't let that get you off track. Another reason I think we resist the Holy Spirit is if we have incompatible spirits in us with the Holy Spirit. As I described myself earlier, hate for believers and the Holy Spirit don't go together. So if I'm holding on to that, I have to resist the Holy Spirit. Just 
fleshly, sinful desires are incompatible with the Holy Spirit. If I want to hold on to that, I have to block the Holy Spirit. We may end up resisting the Holy Spirit. The last one that we'll talk about, and again, these are just a few examples. I don't know what it is. If, if you're in this situation of, I don't want to open myself up fully to the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be immersed and dunked just like being underwater, but in the Holy Spirit. If you're fighting against that, why is that? Here's another possible thing. Pressure for outward signs. If you've been involved in Pentecostal churches, you may have been in services where they try to teach you how to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've, I've uh, been in places where people try to teach people to speak in tongues. And so they're like, okay, everybody do this. Da, 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 da. And then they have... Well, what is that? That's just, that's faking it, right? I mean, that's teaching people to fake it. That's pressure. Oh, you're, you haven't got there yet. You know, and there's pressure. If I'm going to fit in. I got to do this. I don't know how to do it. Yes, all the, and there's that pressure. And that pressure is dangerous. Because there's an ick with that. And there's a, there can be faking and there can be just, but you know what? There's something real. So let's let go of all the pressure and let's be free to explore what's real of God. So we don't pressure people here, but I do want you to be free to explore what God has for you. So what do we do? If you haven't experienced this, I want you to just relax and seek God. The things of God are good things. Just relax. Don't overthink it. Just relax and seek the Lord. Can't go wrong with that. Relax and seek God. I'm going to invite the prayer team up. We're going to close. Jesus is the baptizer in the Spirit. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Jesus is the baptizer in the Spirit. If we are going to experience the Holy Spirit in the fullness of the Spirit, we have to go to Him. Because He's the one who does that. We draw close to Him in prayer. We draw close to Him in worship. We draw close to the Lord. We just open our hearts up to the Lord Jesus. Don't try to be baptized in the Spirit. Go to Jesus and He'll take care of that. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. We've had some powerful prayer prayer times today downstairs, and God speaks sometimes through me to the prayer team, but today it's just encouraged me to speak the message out that I spoke to the prayer team, to you guys. I just sense that there's some chains in here over people's minds that the enemy is holding you back because your your minds and your emotions. And this stuff is real. He's talking about everything that he talked about today was what we were praying about. It's kind of matched up with what we prayed about. Everything that he, these experiences, we're, we're interceding for you guys. And, and what better place to be? This is a safe place. You've got stuff in your life. This is a safe place. If you need to cry, cry. We're, we're fighting for you.
Amen. Isn't it good to have people praying for you? Amen. Just want to read one more scripture from Luke 11. Jesus gives us a promise. He says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Or if you ask for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This is a good gift. This is a good gift from the best giver. Don't be afraid to ask. Let's close in prayer. After, after I pray, I'll dismiss the service and people can come down for individual prayer. You can receive whatever, whatever need you have. Come down. Get some prayer. You believe in God for breakthroughs, for those chains to be broken, whatever the case may be. Let's just pray together first. Heavenly Father, we ask You for Your Spirit. We don't want to walk in wrong spirits like offense and pride and and uh, just the desires for sin and all those types of spirits that can grab hold of us. We want to be free. We want to walk in Your Spirit. We want to know that guarantee where we, we know Your presence in us. Not just thinking thoughts about You and having ideas that have been taught us, but we're walking with You, with You in us. We ask You for that. Let Your Spirit overflow and cover us over that we can know the depth of the love You have for us, the plan You have for our future, and the guarantee of Your salvation. Lord, I speak a blessing over each one that's in this place. Let Your strength be in us and let Your, let your light shine bright in our hearts that it may go everywhere we go. So bless us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on down for personal prayer. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord today.